welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Pilar Odeil. When one asks Pilar how she sees herself within the context of the community, she will immediately respond, I am a mother, a sister, a healer. I am a soldier on the front lines who creates safe spaces for my people to heal and grow. As a veteran of the United States Navy, where she served as an operations specialist, her love of details and process, systems, and strategy led her to the social service aspect of the human health sciences. For seven years, Pilar worked for the Chicago Department of Public Health, CDC, as an infectious disease community epidemiologist. Desiring to have a more hands-on healing impact within the community, the next decade took Pilar on a magical journey through entrepreneurship, opening a healing shop featured on ABC 7's 190 North and and HGTV, which led to her being selected to represent Dove Soap in the International Real Women, Real Beauty campaign. Her signature gala, or head wrap, was so inspiring to women across the globe that a movement was formed launching Gala Day an annual celebration of healing for women of color, which led to the launching of Pilar's non-profit organization, Rapia BUT Movement. Now in its 10th year, WYBM is committed to unearthing the most innovative and creative ways to address the current state of violence in Chicago and is committed to addressing the many forms of trauma that adversely impact the south and west sides of Chicago, especially as a result of the pandemic. Through ancient indigenous art forms and healing practices, WYBM assists the women of the community in their journey to better engaging their children and their men. By facilitating safe spaces for black people to share experiences, learn and build, healing takes place in the most profound way. WYBM empowers black people to take what they learn back to their respective families with an emphasis on training their own children. Pilar is also a former arts vendor for Chicago Public Schools, a 2021 Chicago Peace Fellow, and Associate Director at Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation, Greater Chicago. Hi, Pilar. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you today? I am excellent. Hi, Tess. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for coming on. So I have a lot of questions. Um, So... (laughs) So here, here's, here we go. So I read that your mom was Creole from Louisiana and your dad was okay. Trinidadian. How, yes. um, how different did you find the cultures for you? And was it great because you had two distinct cultures? Um, absolutely. It was, you know, I'll answer the latter first. It was absolutely great um, in the sense that I was afforded an opportunity to um, exist kind of in two different worlds and sort of cross pollinate Mm -hmm. um, growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to blend in Mm -hmm. with my fellow black Americans, you know, on the South side of Chicago Mm -hmm. in various neighborhoods. And I was actually able to take back um, you know, to, to some of uh, these communities that I was a part of, some of the uh, cultural aspects as I was growing up that I was learning from my own grandmothers and aunts mm. and um, and things like that. So it kind of 
you know, that experience kind of shaped the woman that I am today. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you were originally raised on the south side of Chicago until you moved to the suburbs. So how was it growing up first on the south side, and how was it compared to growing up in the suburbs? Um, so I, you know, I consider myself having always been, um, a Chicago South Sider. My grandparents, you know, many of us, you know, spent a lot of time, especially back during that era when parents were really busy working. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent a lot of time with grandparents. So I had a set of grandparents on 79th and Troop, a set on 87th and Kenwood, all South Side, and mm-hmm. then my West Indian family um, further south, it, all in the city. And when my mom uh, moved to the suburbs, Mm -hmm. I was like a fish out of water Mm. in a not good way. Um, It was uh, it was a culture shock Mm -hmm. for me, Um, even though I have some lifelong friends that came Uh from that experience because they were I must say there were a handful of 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 children who got me, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. Okay, (laughs) but um, yeah, it was. it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting time. Okay, um, and so I read that you growing up you lived between your mom's house, your grandparents' house, and your best friend's house. How was that for you moving around from one house to another? And and I, I read that you call yourself a peculiar peculiar child. How so? Um, because I just uh, kind of felt that I never fit in fully to mm. I, I to any of the worlds that okay. I was exposed to um okay. it was always a little piece of of me in each of those silos but um I felt like I was always having to um to adapt mm. you know sort of a chameleon style to um each uh, to each paradigm in my life, which kind of made for an interesting, you know, child to be able to do, you know, to even to be able or to have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the, you know, let's say in the South suburbs. Um, I was, you know, an avid reader. I was the youngest member of the International Black Writers Conference. I was 14 years old doing poetry with Gwendolyn Brooks, literally, you know, it's at some of the libraries on the South Side. And wow. and I was, um, you know, writing crazy. I was a poet and, mm. and I was writing plays and competing nationally and those sorts of things. And when you're an artist to that degree innately um, and you're surrounded by children who are more maybe athletic or Mm -hmm. more, um, you know, just more, not as culturally, um, uh, rich Mm -hmm. or they don't come in from as culturally rich backgrounds as you, um, it can, uh, make you feel kind of like an outcast. And Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time as a young person, all in my own head, spending a lot of times to the point that sometimes some of my elders mm-hmm. wondered, you know, what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would, my response was, there's nothing wrong. Everything is right, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard. Yeah, especially, you know, my goodness, middle school is tough. And, you know, growing up, you know, especially when you're not sure where you fit in, it must be hard to find, you know, yeah. to, to, to find friends and maintain them, especially if you're not really in one place at the same time all the time yes so yeah Mm -hmm. it is it's very challenging okay um so when you were a junior a junior or a senior in high school um I read that the principal in your English teacher 
and your English teacher noticed your writing and oratory abilities, which resulted mm-hmm. in you hosting school assemblies. You became a, na- a student representative at various local school council meetings and won yep. a national literary competition through Ebony Jet Magazine, honoring the late Chicago mayor, Harold Washington. Yes. Uh, why did you want to know the late mayor of Chicago? Um, what was, was it about him? Um, aside from memories that I had, my, my stepfather, when I was, when I was young, was actually friends with him. So I, I remembered being in spaces where he was, Mm -hmm. um, very vaguely, but I remember, you know, and as cliche as this may sound, but I remember when I think, when I would think back on him mm-hmm. when we would visit mm-hmm. it, he was like a light like I remember because I could see auras really good from very young mm. um that's another conversation uh-huh. but yep I remember seeing this bright light around him and mm. when um and and the and so I just re- I, be- I became obsessed when he was running from there um w- with photos and images he just seemed so um amazing and powerful and everyone in my family and in the community were always seemed so inspired whenever there were talks about him unlike some other politicians Mm -hmm. you know that that cause triggers and maybe feelings of negativity and spite in people i just remember that anything that dealt with mayor harold washington Mm -hmm. was always um positive and so i he was one of my early inspirations wow i didn't know much about politics at that time i Uh just remember that he was that light that's awesome (laughs) okay and so you mentioned stepfather was your father not in your life i'm sorry well you mentioned you said your stepfather yes Um, did you have a relationship with your father when you were growing up and did that relationship with him change as you got older um yeah my so my mom left Trinidad um she kind of went running from Trinidad with altercations you know with my father they didn't get along very well when she was there as a typical you know black American south side girl visiting the um you know the uh the West Indies and Mm -hmm. it was a culture shock for my mom in her defense you Mm -hmm. know she just really didn't understand the culture and the culture didn't understand her Mm -hmm. so she fled back to America but back to the states because at that time you had to receive permission from your husband to come and go really and so yeah Mm -hmm. so it was my father my grandfather who got her out of there and she uh-huh, and she fled back to Chicago before giving birth to me. That's how I ended up being born here. Wow, Pilar, that's so, um, crazy. So he, <laughs> you know, so he, my, but my father, my, my family, my, I love them. They never stopped searching for me. Mm. This was the stories as I was growing up. They looked, they searched, mm-hmm. and, and they found me. And when, when my father was ushered and some of my aunts were ushered back and allowed back into my life around 12 years old. Mm. And so my father by then had a full family. He had he had remarried. He had mm-hmm. other children. Okay. And so it was a very um, that in and of itself, you know, um, the prodigal child, sibling rivalry, that those sorts of things. It was those and and even the bitterness from my mom, uh, you know, over the fact that he had resurfaced. Mm-hmm. It um, it was a very challenging time, I think, for all of us. But we got through it. Okay. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Um, 
So I also read that your English instructor had entered you in a contest, which you won, and culminated with an interview for NBC5. Can you share that story with me? Sure. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. So um, actually, during a time when I was having a lot of uh, emotional issues over my inability to fit in, Mm -hmm. it was Dr. Ava Holmes, my literature teacher, I'll never forget, who saw my gift, who you know, talk to my mom who would, you know, make me stay after school with her and talk with her. And I was like, oh, I gotta go. I wanted to get as far out the suburbs mm-hmm. as possible because oftentimes I, after school uh-huh. on weekends, I would take the pace bus to the city. So she, um, she worked with me so closely and it was her um, after, uh, after maybe working with me for a couple months who said, there's a contest that I've, um, I saw, I found, and I want you to enter it. I think you're ready. I think you can do it. And it was called Through the Eyes of Children. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a contest in Jet Magazine where um, teachers or parents could submit a, an essay from mm-hmm. a child. I think it was 12 or, 12 or under, 13 or under, who in their feelings about um, the late Mayor Harold, Mayor Harold Washington. Oh, and, okay. um, and I entered it, and I just... The feeling that I felt when I won, it was such a big production. I'll mm-hmm. never forget when my when Dr. Holmes came to my house and told my mom and I, but it, you know the 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 news ch- uh, station came to our to my school and wow. and um, and they allowed other students, other classes to be a part and sit around while um, while I recited this poem. And I just remember the school being very proud mm-hmm. and happy. And that was the first time when I think I began to um, kind of connect with other people, people began to really understand, okay, she has a literary gift. Mm-hmm. Let's connect. Cause they're, cause that's what, that was our, my line of commonality. Cause other students were like, well, we have, we're, we like to write or we like to sing and we mm-hmm. like to dance and you do too. Mm-hmm. So it was really a positive experience on all fronts. Oh, that's great. Okay. So let's move forward. So at 18, you decided to pack your bags and join the Navy. What made you decide to join, and why the Navy? Um, I joined the Navy because I was in love with the movie Roots. Like, that was an escape for me mm-hmm. um, when I was younger. I, I That movie changed my life by mm. Alex Haley. And, and then I read the book. Um, and when I read the book, you know, I think, I don't remember if it was the preface or the first, the, the introduction that talked about his stint in the Navy. And that was it. Mm. <laughs> that was when I saw, when I found out, cause I think it was something that he said to the extent that, um, you know, in order to see, in order to write about the world, you have to see the world. And uh-huh. I was like, you know, light bulb, yeah. you know, right? Uh-huh. And so I went and I took the ASVAB test and I wanted to be this journalist for the military. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to write. But, but Tess, I was good in math. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a strong math. I was a young black girl with a dream of writing with a gift in math. And mm-hmm. when you're that, no adults here writing isn't mm-hmm. that deep they they tend to you know lean towards the scientific or the mathematic ability mm-hmm. um and so that's you know that's what happened okay. so um i i signed up went away and the next uh three four years were just um extremely pivotal 
Wow. <laughs> I'll say that. Okay. Well, okay. So, yeah, I, I read that you were stationed in Guam at the USS mm-hmm. Haleakala for two years, and you were one of the first cohort of 20 women to ever board that ship. Yes. How did yes. that feel like, knowing that this was something that had never been done before? Um, Extremely scary. I had no idea what I had signed up for. Oh. I had no idea. I mean, I was in overseas holding and all that stuff before I went to Guam. I was a year as a senior, you know, at the naval at the uh, naval office. That mm-hmm. we had to go like twice a week, and they would talk to us and do these exercises, you mm-hmm. know. But little elementary stuff like how to tie a a navy knot and mm. and stuff that didn't really prepare you fully yeah. for what you're about to experience. And then from there on my 18th birthday they came and got me at 6 a.m and shipped me off to meps to the MEP station where i was sent to san diego for overseas holding and um from there i was shipped to guam and to this day i can still remember the morning that i realized oh my god (laughs) what have i done when some uh sailor comes walking into are birthing um, at 5 a.m. banging on trash cans and letting Whoa. us know who we were and whose we were from that moment forward. Wow. So, um, Tess, you know, f- fun fact, it took me four weeks beyond graduation to graduate from boot camp. Oh. So oh. My, my original class uh-huh. was not the class I graduated with because I had such an incredible chip on my shoulder mm. being from the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. never experiencing that kind of authori- authoritative mm-hmm. hogwash, as I called it at the time. Mm. But, um, yeah, when, when I got out of there, let's just say the entire base mm-hmm. uh, congratulated me and celebrated me for being able to make it. Awesome. And not be sent home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> this part, um, okay. So I read that towards the end of your duty, you got pregnant. And your captain, yes. and your captain ordered you to abort the baby. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you tell me about that? And, and, and oh. then, I mean, so after you refused to have an abortion, I mean, you said you didn't want, you didn't want to have an abortion. You right. were, you were okay. transferred on the USS Mount Hood. Mm-hmm. Okay, in so Oakland. yeah, I mean, how was that knowing that? Wait, you know, you're giving service to your country, and then they want you to abort your baby. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a night. It was a nightmare. Oh, the worst. It, the worst thing that a young person should ever have to go through was, you know, because I was grown. I was mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And although I was unwed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a thing where our captain was about to go under, uh, he was about to experience what, what was called an oppy inspection, where he was going from um, a commander to a full bird am- admiral. And mm, so this okay. is a very big deal. Uh-huh. Like when during this time, nothing can go wrong. You can't break a glass. If you break a glass, if one of your sailors breaks a glass while the admirals are on board, that's a hit against your wow. your um yeah, your advancement. So huh. it, it just imagine the pressure, right? Yeah. Extreme yeah. pressure, right? And uh-huh. so here I am with the positive pregnancy test during wow. his opie inspection, which meant that they would have had to ship me to Guam to abort my baby because, I mean, to uh, Honolulu because in Guam there were no such services. Wow. And so um, 
And so, yeah, and so it was devastating. And I just remember the day where we, my, uh, my guy at the time, my mm-hmm. son's father um, and I were sitting in the captain's office and he was, he began to tell us, he was, I just remember he was a very tall white man, um, you know, very typical military style. And he began to let us know that God didn't, um, did it never approve the mixing of the races because my oldest son is biracial. Oh my goodness. And so he said that for that, we should do what God would want us to do and not keep this child. He didn't put it on his inspection. He put it on the fact that this is something God wouldn't want. So he told me that my orders would be written right away to ship me, send me to Honolulu, send me back. And that, uh, um, to have this, this uh, process done and uh, and it will be done in silence and that all will be forgiven. Wow. My uh-huh. mouth was open this whole time. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it's, it'll be in the book. I mean, oh. because it's so much, it's so much. Yeah. And so all I remember is seeing my ancestors. Like I had a, a whole outer, outer body experience. Like mm. I could see my ancestors in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just standing. They yeah. weren't saying anything. They were just standing. And I knew that I had to have this baby. And so I said no. And from there, my punishment mm. um, was separation. So he sent um, he sent Bruce, uh, my son's father, to uh, Westpac on a, you know, way out by the Philippines. And he sent me to Oakland, California. Oh, my gosh, Kalar. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, wow. it's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so you said no and you give birth. You didn't re enlist and then you moved back to Chicago with your baby and your mom. What was now was that hard for you to give up your naval career? I mean, you enlisted, you know, and the whole the whole thing, you did the whole thing. So was it yes. hard for you to give it up? Uh, no, it was no. very easy. I was eager to go to college. I okay. had my GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got back, um, I used my GI Bill. I didn't use my GI Bill right away. I went to junior college first, got mm-hmm. on my feet. Mm-hmm. My mom and my family were very supportive, even mm-hmm. though they were upset that I got pregnant out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, they were ve- they were so supportive and. Um, and I enrolled at Daly College in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I became, um, I did so well. I learned to drive. I learned all these things. My mom helped me become very self, self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And then I um, I got a, I ended up, I was uh, vice president of my Phi Theta Kappa Honor Society, and I got a full scholarship, a leadership and public service scholarship to the U of I. Wow. So that was pivotal. That was changing. That was life-changing for me. It was opportunity yeah like That's even amazing. when i think about it i get choked up because i because ah. it was so crazy for me mm. when i got back and um i just put my head in the books and I, and and it, you know my child was my inspiration mm. and i knew i didn't even like science <laughs> but i majored in microbiology because i felt that it would help me make a lot of money mm-hmm. to be able to have a good life for my son yeah, I mean, I, I read that you graduated with a BS in microbiology and a master of public health degree. I, I yeah. mean, that's incredible, you know, after what you've gone through. And you landed yeah. a job at the Chicago Public, uh, Department of Public Health. So what was your role there and what did it entail? Um, 
So when I was just backtracking a little bit, when I was in college, when I had to come up with my thesis statement, I mean, my thesis project in graduate school, mm -hmm. I had already been doing an internship at the Department of Human Services. Um, and um, the secretary of Department of Human Services at the time, back then, Secretary Howard Peters, um, thought I did such a good job that when it was time for me to come up with a thesis project for my science project, he told me, um, I mean, for my, uh, for my microbiology program, he told me, well, I know you have a strong interest in public health, which I did, but I was a microbiology major. He said, right. reach out to Dr. John Lumpkin, who was the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health at the time. He said, and tell uh -huh. him I sent you. Uh -huh. So I wrote a letter to uh, Dr. John Lumpkin and I asked him to um, please help me mm -hmm. um, come up with something, a topic, and I and I let him know I'm a research student at the U of I, and that I'm an intern for Secretary Howard Peters, and that if there was any research that he needed, mm -hmm. anything that he needed, mm -hmm. I would research it for him, and in exchange, he would sit on my uh, committee, because mm -hmm. at that time, Tess, I knew that um, you, I, it was too late for me to change from microbiology to public health. That's a right. whole thing. Yeah. And so in order to be for them to approve me taking the additional classes to get both degrees, there's nobody like the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health <laughs> to get that ball yeah. rolling, right? Yeah, to get it so done. Yep. It was a, yeah, it was a beautiful exchange. He did that. Um, it, 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 it caught, you know, it called for quite a bit of press, even that came to my college when Dr. John Lumpkin came to sit on my committee. So it created a real buzz, which reached Chicago and landed me a beautiful, amazing job fresh out of college. So wow. I just had to give that story because... Uh -huh. Yep. That story was very relevant to mm. um, to my to my work there. So, um, needless to say, after about three four years, I hated it. Mm. Um, I hated working for the government. Mm -hmm. I did because I just felt so stifled in mm -hmm. my ability to heal. Because by then. You know, the, the other part that we don't talk about is the all the healing work I was doing outside of that in between. So mm. there um, I was, you know, I thought that I could get to the um, through the Department of Public Health. I could really do the work I wanted to do, mm -hmm. but I was under contract. Right. And uh -huh. Excuse me, and I was un and I was given a certain rubric to work from, which really didn't mesh with my rubric. And mm. so from there, um, I saved money. Mm -hmm. I saved every check. Test. I saved every penny. Mm. I I got married while I was there. I got uh -huh. um I had two more beautiful children. Mm. And it was during the birth of my second son where the the energy or the um the environment where I worked was so toxic that it stopped my milk from flowing. Oh wow. And that's when I knew I had to go. Yeah. It was time for you to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I read that you, after you gave birth to your your second son, you decided to stay home for a while. And then in 2006, you created Creative Soul Boutique. What yes. is Creative Soul Boutique about? Um, so I was, during the time, like when I, you know, as I said, I saved my money and I, um, you know, I, I sat at home, I gave birth to my babies and, and I did, I, that's when I really was able to, it was like an incubation period for me. Like I had been through all these twists and turns mm -hmm. and was still feeling unfulfilled in my community work. And so, and then the work that I knew God had put me here to do. Um, so creative. So the first thing I did, fun fact, another fun fact was that 
I got a license with the um, with the state to open up a home daycare. I was like, oh, oh I'm going to take care of children and uh-huh. teach children. Uh-huh. Honey, after I gave birth to my second, to my third son, uh-huh. I was done with that idea. But I had already <laughs> had the license, right? Oh, geez. Okay. Uh-huh. So I was speaking with my husband at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just was like, oh, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so God just put the idea in me that I needed my own brick and mortar. So actually what I would do when my children to, you know, when it was nap time, we mm-hmm. would, you know, put them in the car for a drive right. and I would go driving in the neighborhoods uh-huh. where I wanted to open up a shop. I just had this cockamamie idea uh-huh. that I was going to do because I was already sewing. Right. And, uh, I mean, when I was at home, I was doing everything. I was writing, I was sewing, mm. I was performing you know in between you know like when my my husband would come home mm-hmm. I would you know I would go to poetry sets and do things so I had a nice balance mm-hmm. of kind of trying to remember Pilar from mm-hmm. high school the writer mm-hmm. that got lost once she went to the Navy mm-hmm. see how all that happened right yeah. so I was yeah. trying to come back to myself so yeah it was an amazing so creative soul was that creative soul um, as uh, ABC 7's Janet Daly so eloquently put on my 190 North uh, segment that um, it's a cool place where people can find, where there's a little bit of everything for everyone. Hmm. Literally. Um, vintage clothing, and I would work with vendors, you know, mm-hmm. within the community. Mm-hmm. Other minority vendors, black and brown vendors. There was jewelry, because I was creating jewelry, and I would, there were other premier young jewelers around the city. I would house their, their their uh, products and mm-hmm. I was traveling. I was doing shows mm-hmm. f- from Detroit to California for local and um, underground artists. I was doing styling. I, I just, I flipped. Whoa. It's like for all <laughs> of the creativity yeah. that had been stifled since high school, yeah. I did it. Yeah. But that came at a cost, a little, mm. a little cost. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're saying all of this and I'm like, when did she have time to relax? <laughs> I was on autopilot. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, it was something that's been you you've been wanting that to come out. All of that inside, yeah, inside out of you. So that's really oh my God, that's really yeah. awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. So in in 2010, you became part of the Global Dove Real Women. Real Beauty commercial campaign, which led you to be a guest on Oprah's Masterclass with Cindy Crawford. I remember yes. that commercial, and it was incredible. <laughs> so I, I'm like, holy cow, she was in that. That's amazing. Okay, so h- how was that for you? Um, you know, I felt like I know everyone who was who was in that campaign felt like it was about them. So speaking from my first person, mm-hmm. I felt like it was just an answer prayer. I had literally been asking for um like I, I had my shop and I wanted to do some renovations in my shop but I didn't have the money mm. like my money was 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 good for a small business owner to be able to stay open and maintain I was doing real good but mm-hmm. I didn't have a whole lot of extra to 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 completely my customers were so loyal I wanted to do a complete overhaul mm. and this commercial was kind of the answer to that so okay. that's how it felt it felt like a direct response to my spiritual request request wow. so I um it was from a customer a customer huh. sent me the email she was like Pilar because she people used to always tell me my mom looks so young she she was uh-huh. like, 
there's this Dove commercial they're auditioning for all over the, the globe, uh -huh. all over the country. You and your mom should do it. So mm. she sent me the thing. I read it. I thought it would be fun. Yeah. I didn't really think a lot about it. Uh -huh. I said my daughter at the time was already modeling with mm. Shirley Hamilton for Cole's department store. She was uh -huh. doing circulars. So I wasn't so, you know, far away from that from that field. So I called my mom. I said, Mom, there's a Dove commercial. I want you to get dolled up. It's mm -hmm. on this date. I'm, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go audition mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we did we went we auditioned um and um it was the most amazing thing i remember i was so underdressed i went in and <laughs> oh tess it was the most beautiful women uh, that i mean i saw every shade color uh -huh. creed height and i didn't even have on any all i had on was eyeliner and some lip some light lipstick or lip gloss uh -huh. and i had my my signature gaylay my head wrapped and i had on all black i uh -huh. felt I, w I was done i was like oh my god i'm such an idiot <laughs> um and so all i remember is that we when we walked back mm -hmm to the audition room my mom and I and I remember the director from that moment on kept turning around to look at me in my face mm. she kept turning around turning around so when I got in there my mom had to sing a song test my mom froze she froze and I melted inside of myself Aww. like my mom froze she did she she started stuttering and so I took over uh -huh. I took over yeah I said it's okay mom it's okay have a seat so I said um uh, it was at O'Connor casting. I forgot the young lady's name, but I, I, she was one of the daughters. I said, tell me what it is that you would like for me to do. So she said, I want you to, you know, take whatever emotion that you would want to bring into the space and sing it. Mm. Okay, off the cuff. So in that moment, I sang, I just like a improv, I sang, you are so beautiful to me. Mm. And I just belted it in the best way that I could. Wow. And, and probably a month and a half it was a length of time probably a, maybe two months later i was sitting in black ensemble theater by the uh famous jackie taylor where i had been hired to do some um some sewing work on costumes mm -hmm. i was sitting in her office mm -hmm. in that theater in the historic district here when i got the call my phone rang when i was sitting i said oh this is O'Connor casting. Hold on, Jackie. I answered the phone, and all I remember is the 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 agent said, "Pilar, are you sitting down?" And I knew. <laughs> wow. And I knew that I had landed it. So, and I made so much money from mm. that commercial. And and when I say so much money, I mean like, no one told me mm -hmm. that I was going to even get royal i didn't know royalties i didn't know i was so green Tess. Wow. No one. I think they think I thought I knew. No one said you know this commercial is global right like yeah you're going to yeah. every time it runs on mm -hmm. every station mm -hmm. you know you'll get a piece of that so that's it incredible. was amazing until oh. it wasn't oh, okay. <laughs> when the check stopped yeah <laughs> <laughs> but what an experience that's really amazing that's really really cool Oh, wow. It was um, it was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And there was one last, the final piece to that, if I may share. Sure. Is that my takeaway was a testament. I use it all the time to women that I work with about standing in our own selves and being so proud of who we are, unapologetically and naturally. And 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 because one of the things that that I'll never forget, there's mm -hmm. so many blurry moments, was that. 
once the commercial was all said and done after the filming, mm-hmm. all I remember is that I was st- I was um, just kind of waiting, I think, for my ride, and we they had just fed us, and the agent came over and smiled and said, someone wants to meet you, and it was the CEO of Dove Unilever, a wow. very unsuspecting man. Uh, he also, he almost reminded me of Quentin Tarantino a little bit in his stature. He had on a white t-shirt, some jeans, uh-huh. some, some sneakers. Uh-huh. You know, I would have never guessed he was That's the funny. CEO yeah. of Dove Unilever. And he said one thing to me. He said, Pilar, congratulations. He said, I want to tell you, we interviewed and auditioned women all over the country. And he named the states and he said, but you were one of five that the moment you walked into that room and walked out, we said, she's one. And that blessed me so Mm. beyond words. Like just that little, and not because, you know, of any, oh, you know, I really was not in my ego. I was really in my heart space because I really felt Mm -hmm. that I bombed it because I didn't show (laughs) up glamorous enough. Yeah, but obviously they saw something. They saw something Mm -hmm. in you that Mm -hmm. that transcended, you know, Mm -hmm. outside of your clothes outside of what you yeah. wore. So yeah, that's incredible. I, I love that. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So from that event in 2012, you launched your nonprofit organization, um, Wrap Your Beauty Movement. What was your yes. goal with creating that organization? Well, my commercial had um so after it was running 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 so one of the funny things was that um i wish i could show you this photo there is a photo of me on set downtown Mm -hmm. and it was just crowds everywhere and i remember the directors like there was this whole it somehow i got to keep on my head wrap like somebody the somebody missed the memo Mm because my head was always wrapped Uh and 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 i had on my own jewelry and i had on all these things so um, but it was my fabric. Mm-hmm. And so because it's a product commercial, what, you know, there, there are all types of licensed things or whatever. And so they didn't want me to wear anything that belonged to me. It had to be product that they placed on me. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but I, I gave them such an explanation about the significance of my head wrap spiritually that they allowed me to keep it on. I think they want to do something else with my head. Uh-huh. And so, huh. um, and so if you remember that, Gayle, my my signature Gayle was in the commercial, and so um, a few weeks after the uh, months actually actually after the commercial running, mm-hmm. uh, I got a call from um, I got a call from SAG uh, uh, oh. from the. Uh huh. Uh-huh. From Screen, Screen Actors Guild, yeah. letting me know because this was a um, a SAG uh, commercial mm-hmm. that they were wanting. How would I be feeling? How would I feel about you know uh, becoming a spokesperson um, for Dove Unilever and the Walmart um, Real Women Real Beauty? And I was like, I would love to do wow. that, right? Uh-huh. So the problem was that Walmart did not. Walmart was done with the commercial. Walmart was like, well, we're not. And SAG at the time, I don't know the the details, but they could not. They could only move forward if Walmart was gonna meet mm-hmm. them halfway, you know, with mm-hmm. this. And so, um, so it was a very 
uh, it was very devastating. But the Gaylay, what they told me when they called me about doing this was that the Gaylay was so popular in the ratings, like mm-hmm. so, and they had received so much mm-hmm. feedback from people who wanted to know mm-hmm. about this head wrap that opened and closed the commercial mm-hmm. that it inspired this movement. And wow. the movement was um, the Wrap Your Beauty movement because oh. from that commercial, I did, even though I didn't do the big one uh-huh. on Good Morning America and all of that that they were telling me about, I did a lot of speaking engagements locally huh. about the about um, tying, I use that opportunity with the Real Women, Real Beauty to tie in the significance of my culture mm-hmm. and my head wrap and mm-hmm. what it means to me as a Black woman, which sparked the Wrap Your Beauty movement. So it became an organization to heal women Uh and our children. Um, And through healing the women of the land, the the, the idea is that we also heal our men and our children, Mm -hmm. right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're the women Mm -hmm. behind the men. We're the men. And and people, I know, I know that sparks a lot of controversy sometimes when using those those kinds of words, you know, positioning Mm -hmm. behind or above or beside. But I mean that in the most loving way, in the most supportive way or foundational way. When I say behind, it Mm -hmm. is just saying that women are the supporters of the household from my culture. Mm. And we give birth to the children. We we raise our children. We provide love and energy in the homes and we support our men. So that's what this movement was about. I love that. Okay, so you are also the Associate Director of Truth, Racial Healing and Transformation. Can you tell me what that is all about and, yes. and what prompted you to create it so i didn't create truth racial oh, okay. and transformation mm-hmm. okay. so i was i created the wrap your beauty movement yes, but right. in 2019 mm-hmm. i was approached by um jose rico from from the united way foundation who mm-hmm. i know from the community and um to uh co-direct this program, Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation, that was housed at the um, Woods Fund here in Chicago and was funded by the Kellogg Foundation. And it was the mastermind. It was actually created. The architect of that is a woman um, by the name, uh, a a brilliant woman by the name of Dr. Gail Christopher. Mm -hmm. And um, she, there there were essentially 14, um, excuse me, excuse me, 17 TRHTs nationally. Hmm. Chicago was just one. Okay. So um, uh, Rico, Jose Rico, um, or Rico as we affectionately call him, was hired to direct the, to take this program into a new direction of healing in Chicago, you know, with all of us knowing that Chicago has very unique needs, Mm -hmm. especially with the spike in crime and the Mm -hmm. uprisings and things. Right. And so um, this program, we have uh, used the last three years um, to um, heal to heal the land, to bring people together in that order, to have, to express their truth, Mm -hmm. to promote racial healing that will eventually um, um, uh, bring about and promote transformation and true change Mm -hmm. and close the wealth gap here in Chicago and close the health gap here in Chicago and heal the trauma of the land. And those most hard impacted mm-hmm. by racism. Wow. Wow, that's wild. Okay, that's incredible. Um, so, uh, well, okay, so 
going forward, what mm-hmm. is there someone or, or people you would credit for where you are now? Oh, um, I, I must, I would be remiss to not first and foremost, you know, um, you know, say, um, thank all of my, my, my spiritual guides. But if from a physical vantage point, you know, I have to say my mom, Mm -hmm. you know, none of us as mothers are perfect, but my mom, um, was there for me and supported me mm-hmm. and some of my I call them mistakes I don't mm-hmm. mind calling them mistakes because they were mistakes and mm-hmm. some of or poor choices mm-hmm. and some of the darkest points in my life or that could have went a completely different direction my mom supported me so mm-hmm. that I could get over that hump and getting mm-hmm. over that hump many people don't get over some of the humps that I was able to get over and yeah. move on with my life to experience the next level of um of work. Um, and so my mom, first and foremost, but outside of my mom, um, I would, I would just have to bring into the space, um, Nina, uh, the spirit of Nina Simone, like as Mm. a historian, as a person, like, um, I have to this day, I have a, um, an annual soiree here Mm -hmm. in the city called she through me. And it's an, and it's a soiree high noon where women, um, of intergeneration will, uh, come together intergenerationally to dress up as an ancestor. Mm. Um, and it can only be one ancestor, uh, per, per event. So, so they're not duplicates in the room. And and what we do is for an entire feast, Mm -hmm. we, um, we dance, we perform, and we embody these ancestors. And, and my point was each year I'm Nina Simone, like mm-hmm. I embody her. And um, because Nina, everything that she stood for um, are, she, you know, she used tools that I find myself having to use today. Mm-hmm. And I, I can pop on a video from her, um, like some of her performances mm-hmm. in white universities where blacks were not allowed and her courage and her self-love and her her love of her people um that she boldly exhibited Mm. and no one could touch her because she was an extreme talent and they wanted she had something that they wanted so Mm. in exchange she spoke her truth wow and i i i love her i'm as i sit here speaking with you i'm looking at her picture now Mm. even on my wall she was just an amazing inspiration her music her courage, the woman she was, the pains, mm-hmm. um, myself being a divorcee, now re- happily, happily remarried. Um, but, um, you know, her being a divorcee, her experiencing so much of the hate and racism as a um, brown-skinned wo- American woman, um, mm-hmm. uh, just her, but her response to it mm-hmm. was what was transformational for me. Oh, wow. Okay, I love that. And so, do you have any personal goals? Um, yep. Okay. <laughs> um, my personal goals are to eventually open up um, a cultural center here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already, this is something I'm already working on with my business partner. Um, and, and it will be a place where um, for like a, a, a home base for all of the work that we do out in the community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and aside from the community center, I want to um, grow 
into the elder in the community that I want to see. Mm. Um, the I want to be the kind of elder for the young people coming up that I needed growing mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be a resource. I want young people, not just my children, but um, their friends mm -hmm. and children within the community or young people, young adults. I want them to see me as a resource of information. Mm -hmm. I'm one who believes that information is free. It should be free, especially when it builds and it inspires. Mm -hmm. um, and so I give a lot of myself. I feel like I, God has afforded me a lot. And I truly believe that to whom much is given, much is required. And so... Um, my life has been a series of um, blessings and favor situations that could have went one direction, but went another. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to share my light and share my wisdom with the world. I want to watch my grandchildren, mm -hmm. my you know, grow my, um, as my children fulfill their destinies. And I want to grow old and happy and and, and end up. Uh, you know, on, in the ocean fishing somewhere with my husband when I'm an old lady. <laughs> That's it. That. I love that. <laughs> well, okay. Is there anything you haven't done yet that you would like to do that you haven't um, tried? Yes. I want to go on a um, African safari. Oh, so that's in the making. Like I, I know people who've done it. I, you know, I, I've watched them on YouTube, but uh -huh. I have not done one myself. And okay. so that is a goal ah, of mine. That's awesome. And, yes. And when you do, let me know <laughs> how, how it went. Ooh, because that's might another lead thing. Me to it, Tess. Oh. You're a globe trotter. I see. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I don't know about Africa yet. So far, we're we're going from the states to Europe, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I, 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 had, I always have to ask my guests, you like, you know, I was like, what would they like to do if they haven't done it yet? So thank you for that. Um, yeah. So what would you say to young people who would be interested in getting involved with your organization? Um, just reach out. Mm. Um, we have an open door policy. Mm -hmm. And we have we always have something, especially with the summer of solidarity. Coming up, we always have so much, so much to do. Um, mm -hmm. And if there are pe people outside of Illinois mm -hmm. just want to connect for some inspiration and to maybe be inspired or receive some rubric for maybe some programs they want to start in their respective cities, mm -hmm. that's great too. And so our website is www.transformshy, and that's P-H-I, mm -hmm. um, dot com. And again, my name is Pilar. And our general email that I do um, respond to, and we have uh, young folks that respond to it too with us very quickly, is trht at transformshy.com. And so this is where we receive most of our inquiries. But our website will um, show folks, mm -hmm. uh, you know, exactly how to get in touch with the work. Now, on another level, if, if there are um, women of color who would want to uh, be a part of the Wrap Your Beauty movement mm -hmm. um, at the community level, my website there is www.pilarsplanet.com. And that's where people can um, come on, find a little bit about the community work that we do, mm -hmm. and sign up. Wow, that's wonderful. Okay. So is there, if there's one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? Um, 
I wish. Mm, I wish that I would have. Um, <laughs> this sounds so crazy saying that, okay. but I wish that um, when I was 28 years old and I decided to get married um, because I was told that that was the right thing to do at the time, I wish that I would have taken a little bit more time to rethink my own goals and um, and the timing mm. um, of that marriage. Um, I think I was a little bit pushed. It ended up being an amazing journey with my children and, and although, and getting, you know, although it did not work out, my ex-husband and I are very good friends now, mm-hmm. which is many people's cases, but I wish I, I think back to all that I sacrificed and gave up, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I would have probably um, just rethought that. And that's my true and candid answer as a woman. <laughs> wow. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that. And the last question is, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? Um, um, you're, you're enough right now. Hmm. You're enough. Um, and you don't have to, um, it's okay to be vulnerable and Hmm. it's okay to share your truth, um, calmly, um, Hmm. because I was very, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was very hot-headed when it came to sharing my truth because I was so used to being silenced by elders mm-hmm. that when I did tell my truth, it was with a it was with an edge on it, which mm-hmm. unfortunately burned relationships. That, in hindsight, mm-hmm. hindsight being twenty twenty, um, knowing what I know now, I would have um, told myself, "It's okay. Calm down. Relax. Think. Pause button, and then have that conversation." Mm. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much, Pilar, for all of your stories and for, you know, all the stuff that you've gone through. I mean, kudos (laughs) to you for like, you know, being so resilient and just saying, you know what? Nope, this is not this is not my end. You know, I keep going. And, And to keep going with such you know, like you had a plan and, and yes. you kept going for it, which is incredible. And I love that, you know, because so many of us, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I don't know for a fact, but I think some women would have just like, really, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm, enough yeah. is enough, you know, but yeah, friends tell me that all the time. Yeah. They say, you know, they're like, wow, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you've lived 10 times the lives that most people I would know. just like, Wait, I only have one, you know, it's like, and I'm good for that, you know, but the That's fact, the joke. yeah, but the fact <laughs> that you keep, <laughs> but I, I love that because you are such a strong person, you're a strong you. woman and, and yes. you have really like, you know, you have made it your purpose to just, so, you know, that's okay. Yes. Keep going, keep going. Yes. You know, I'm not done yet. And, and. You are life is for living. Yeah, and you're giving that example. What a beautiful example of that you're giving to your children. You know, that's yes. such a powerful thing to oh. leave them with. You know, yes. Being and a strong I love woman. my kids. Yeah. Yes, I love my kids. And I want to say, you know, too, just add to that that 
through maturity, mm-hmm. um, I'm so happy that I have a beautiful relationship now as friends with their father. And so, mm. and my kids are better for that. Of they course. love that. They yeah. love it because they see yeah. all that we've gone through to get to this point. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay that, you know, that you don't okay. have to be with that person, you know, and, yep. and you'll, you'll be okay no matter what. So, yep. oh, wow. Well, thank you for coming on and, and good luck with the movement and your organization. And please keep me posted with what's going on. And, sure you know, will. and your book, you mentioned a book. So when that comes out. You know, I need you to let me know (laughs) because I would love (laughs) to read that. (laughs) And I I just I am so honored to have you. And and thank you for sharing your your life with us, because it's so important to know, like how some how someone who've gone through so much can still keep going, you know, and 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 do it so beautifully. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Tess. Thank you for having me. Okay, appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay. you too. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Pilar Audain on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Women. You can listen to Revolutionary Women on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note, I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.